0: Mansell at HJ Sports and today we're gonna to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022 so new for 2022 we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket no longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second access adjustments so as you'll see on the scope housing uh, there's actually an additional brick you can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside, just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three-eighths, an inch and five-eighths, an inch and three-quarters, and then also our four-pin housing, which is an inch and three-quarters. We also offer a 10,000th pin and a thousandths pin for both single-pin and four-pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your tetra bow sight you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that you'll just loosen those and slide it up and down another key feature on the 2022 tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level another key feature on the 2022 tetra bow sight is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light this is an added on accessory but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line, both sides, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HGA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com.
1: Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades,
2: folks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. The hat of the week is RPG coffee. Make sure you go out and join their coffee club. The link is in my bio. So this way you can get some of the best coffee on the market. I recommend their super sticks, the super coffee. They are these little device, these little bad boys right here, instant coffee And what makes them so unique is that they actually have aloe vera in them. So, this way, when you drink them, it's not going to be a harsh taste to your stomach. But the best part is you can either drink it hot or cold. So, this way, you don't have to have coffee necessarily when you walk out to the field, but you have coffee ready to go. And it's 220 milligrams of caffeine. So, it is no joke when you're ready to rock and roll. But uh, thank you for that little tidbit. But my guest today is Brian, or excuse me, Ben Klausman. And him and I have been chit-chatting for like the last, like literally 30 minutes where I should actually hit the record button, but uh, here we are. But it was a great preamble to our conversation because we actually have a, several awesome topics, but on top of that too, it's just great to catch up with him. And I want I'm curious about
3: Ben, how you've been, how was your 2021 season? Very good, man. Um, life's been great. I got two beautiful children, happy wife. We got an acreage, um, <clears throat> 2020 season was uh, as close to a bust as you can get without it actually being a bust. I went out antelope hunting. I missed a goat by inches right in front of him. He he was walking, stopped. I shot and right before the arrow got there, he took a step back, just grazed him, <laughs> got some hair on the ground. That's it. Um, fast forward to whitetail season, sitting in a tree stand, saw four to five shooter bucks. One came in right dead downwind to me, stopped at 32 yards for like a half a second before I could even draw my bow back, and he was gone. Um, mule deer season, saw the biggest buck of my life at about 100 yards, uh, got to about 50 yards to only realize that he was 25 yards on private land. So oh, So I got no. to watch him sit there all happily on a hillside and watch me walk away with take soup. So – man, you had a rough year. I managed to get one doe, but
2: I did come across the buck of a, my biggest buck of a lifetime for a white tail. And it's like, he came in on my right-hand side, he came up, upwind. And I was just bored. So I was just like, well, I'll just bleat." And if there's a buck in the neighborhood and if he's horny, maybe I'll get him to come out and should I shit you not 15 minutes later. Here he comes just trouts now. And I'm looking at him. It's like, an, I, I thought about maybe making a quick rotation where I was standing in my, in this little knot or this little elbow of a tree. And I just like, well, maybe I, maybe I can stay still enough where he'll walk out and get in front of me. No, that wasn't the case because as he came out underneath me, he got 15 yards broadside. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better shot, but he, know, he knew something was off because I was just basically leaning on the other branch. like, just don't move. Don't move. Don't move. And he just, he, I'm looking in the corner of my eye and he's looking up and he knows something's not quite right. And sure enough, he just turns around walks back, goes the way he came. He did not uh, snort wheeze at me. He did not stomp at me. He did not run away. It was just the most awe I've ever been seeing a mature buck that big. He was a solid 160, 170 class buck. Absolutely just awesome. And then a few months earlier than that, I was out sitting and my buddy of mine was sitting in a different pasture and he, he messaged me and saying that I saw something in my range finder. It's walking towards you. And sure enough, it was his little basket sex. I got at the time, um, I just got a, a ghost blind and he got within seven yards and he looked over and he saw himself in the mirror, freaked him out. That turned into a 45 minute experience. So where he's like, he saw himself. And then he turned around and he walked backwards all the way around me where he got behind my big old oak tree. Then he came back around again. And he got parallel with me again. And then that's when he decided to jump up and that's where he was snort wheezing and just jumping and bounding back and forth. Not even 15 minutes later, I see him come back out again, 50 yards away. And it's like, and he, and he just too far away for me to actually get a, an ethical shot because like, well, it's still fairly early in the season. Haven't even hit right yet. So it's like, let's see what happens. Cause this is still in October. So I was like, let's see what we can make something happen here. And uh, part of me regrets not pulling the trigger on it. But the other part is like, it was just a really cool experience because that turned into a 50 minute ordeal where I couldn't do anything until after it hit dark or he just disappeared. Uh, Cause I just, I didn't want to blow
3: the spot for the next day. So there it was. So and that's the beauty of archery hunting too, is that you get those experiences and they don't always have to end up in a kill. That's the thing that I've realized over the 15 years that I've been hunting. I have some of the best experiences of my life without actually drawing blood. So, mm-hmm.
2: Oh, hundred percent, man.
3: And uh, so what's been going on this,
2: this, this, uh, post hunting season into 2022 here
3: so now i'm in what i would call is the busy season for me so there's no hunting going on but i still have to try to produce content so basically now is where i i kind of shift fully from hunting content to archery content which is nice about running a archery slash bow hunting page so during hunting season, I have very strong hunting presence, You know, getting up, going hunting, uh, in the blind, deer, archery, you know, broadhead tuning, all that stuff. But now I don't have anything to go hunting for, so I have to just shift my whole mindset from um, hunting, hunting strategies, hunting plans to shot process, arrow building, uh, broadhead tuning, uh, setting your bow up, getting strings on, stuff like that. So uh, it's a completely hundred. 100- 80 degree turn and I have to work a lot harder because um I'm the amount of content I'm putting out I need to make about it takes me about an hour and a half to get everything filmed about once a week so in order to edit everything the way I need it and then put it on my page the way it goes it just is a, a lot more of a process when I'm not hunting because obviously I make time for hunting and then I make time to make content so that's kind of where I'm at now it's I'm waiting for turkey season to start which is this weekend so I'll hopefully I'll be tagged out right away you know, Saturday morning and then, um, just back on the grind.
2: Nice. i missed our deadline back in December. So now I'm just going to wait to hoping to get something over the counter. And I was going to go to Walmart tonight and get that, but it's like, I had to make sure I get eaten and meet up with you. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be able to get, uh, get some cause I go to Wisconsin's go wild, which is kind of weird because the go wild app came out first, but they're, but since they're the DNR, they're, it's like, we're not going to change. And their website still has me listed as a non resident, even though I'm a resident. It's just freaking weird. So I actually have to go to a vendor and go that route. When I went in last week on Thursday, they're only doing zone four like Wisconsin has like eight different zones, which is kind of weird, but the biggest two is zone one and zone two. So I'm in zone two and my buddy's up in Green Bay. It's up in zone one. And I want to go up and hunt with him up there in Green Bay, just because it'd be fun to hunt in a completely different area. He's highly successful. So it'd be just fun to hang out with them and, and bullshit with them and such. And it, you and I were talked earlier about this, about my a potential Miriam hunt and that, w- that we were talking back in February and I'm pitching you the idea. And if you want to come along with us, and then we decided like Bish with his schedule, he's not going to be able to have the time off to be able to dedicate to the hunt down there. And otherwise we'd be there right now because the season goes active. It was already, already live for bow season. So next, so that, now this hunt is now postponed until 2023 where it's go time, where, where he's got everything planned on his end and well, I can go whenever I want. So I, I have a very um independent
3: wife. So she lets me do a lot of fun shit. That's nice. My wife is very independent as well, but with two small children, uh, I I don't do a lot of trips, but uh, I do get, I generally try to do like one or two big hunting trips a year. So this year, um, my, my big 3d shoot is out. I'm going out to Wyoming for a mountain archery fest event out. I can't remember where it's at, um, but it's a new event. It's only like 10 hours away where all the other ones are over 15 plus hours away. Um, and so I'm really excited to get out there and, and shoot them out. And they said it's a great course. And then my other big trip is actually a North Dakota mule deer hunt. Oh, um, exciting. I got a buddy. Um he, his page is arrow tuning kit. So he he sells like <clears throat> all you would need to tune an arrow. Um, He sells like three to 12 packs of veins, knocks, wraps, inserts, outserts, like all the stuff that you need to build the arrow that you want to use. And so he's like, hey man, I'm trying to put together a North Dakota mule deer hunt. You interested? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So (laughs) I got to actually apply before April 15th or 16th. Okay. And then uh, it's still a draw. So I might not be able to go, but he's like, it's like a really good chance that you'll draw. So I'm really excited for that. So now in North Dakota, do you draw by units or counties? How does that work in that state? So from the way he made it sound, and I haven't looked into this yet, I think it's a statewide archery tag. So like South Dakota, the way you draw archery is east or west river or a statewide. So you can buy one statewide or you can buy an east or, and a a west river. So I always buy one of each because I make enough trips out west river. I might as well hunt it. Um, but I think for archery, at least you can apply for statewide because it's it's archery. Your success is much lower than a rifle, so they don't mind dishing out more of them. So
2: which makes sense, because, I mean, that's a lot of wide open area there. I've been I've gone through South Dakota. I mean, we're, we, we've talked in the previous podcast that I, have, I still have a family that lives out in Sioux Falls. So it's like I know. I know what it's like, but it's 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 such unique territory because it's it's very rolling. It's not flat, not until you get to Nebraska. Otherwise, it's it's a lot of rolling up and down. And also, when you get pretty much when you get from I thirty five and ninety and ninety strange interchange there, it becomes quite flat between there and South Dakota border. Because I've driven all that area, and it's like it's you, you could you can fall asleep and not miss that portion of the state. So everything between here, pretty much from with lacrosse all the way to Albert Lee. And that's where it's like, it's twists, turns, ups and downs. And then it's like, it going to flat.
3: Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what it is. And then honestly, the, the best part of South Dakota is there is so much, there's a lot of, there's a ton of different parts of the state. So like if you get out to the black Hills, it makes you feel like you're in Colorado, but then you get a, like, I don't know, maybe 15 to 20 miles east of the black hills and you feel like you're in nevada like it's just or new mexico like it's just flat like almost no water uh, not a lot of i mean a little hilly but nothing like absolutely crazy and so it's just it's really fun to be able to hunt like two completely different zones in the same day
2: that is a good that is a good perspective on that that be that's makes things fun you get to you get to experience different parts of all that and uh what what i never looked into south dakota turkey tags how does the what's the process of getting a south dakota turkey
3: tag so from my understanding is they're pretty much over the counter for archery <laughs> um like there's no draw i literally last week i purchased a tag and then it showed up in the mail like three days later so oh nice uh, i don't i for archery it's like a hundred percent draw odds if you want to even call it a draw it's just like a purchase and you can buy it at walmart <laughs> or anywhere i mean it's just they, they're pretty much begging people to come out and try to shoot turkeys because it's – South Dakota's got – they got some turkeys, but they're hard to hunt, especially East River. Like, it's hard.
2: Mm-hmm. Wisconsin is weird because it's like you actually have to – even for archery, you have to put in for a specific week. And then if you don't get it, then it, 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 and then it just kind of drops down the list between the weeks between uh, April all the way up until the end of May. Now, Minnesota, you get your one archery tag, and it'll last you the entire season. Which is where if you're gun hunting, though, you have to pick a week and buy it's a week ago, but there's no, you have to apply for it. It's quite weird. I don't understand it because even in the fall for archery tag here in Wisconsin, it doesn't matter. You just buy over the counter, good to go. I wish I had my buddy buy one last year because he actually had turkeys within 10 yards. Didn't even know he was there, but he didn't, we, he, we, I didn't, I've never seen turkeys where he was sitting at where we were hunting on public land here in Wisconsin. And he watched it for a solid like two hours. It's like, dude, it's like I want to shoot one, but I, I can't. Cause obviously it doesn't have a tag for it, but it was just really cool. And it's like, a nice thing is like this, this upcoming season, I'm going to sit right where he was sitting at. Hopefully nobody else gets the same idea as I do. I don't know what the, I permanently hunt the area for whitetail. So, and I'm not a very good turkey caller. So it's like, well, I'm going to have my buddy Craig with me. So if,
3: if, once we get our, our tags, we'll go from there. Interesting. So I've never hunted fall turkey before, but from what my buddy said is he's like, you pretty much just have to like stumble across them. Like it calling doesn't work because they're not, it's not their breeding time. So he's like, he's like, just don't call. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy a turkey tag if I can't call. Like, I don't see the point in that, but. Ours is the same kind of way with spring Turkey is your archery season starts this weekend. I think rifle season starts or shotgun season starts next weekend. So you have a pretty much a whole week of no guns, just like every other archery season. And then, um, but it's just as soon as the season is open, you're open until it closes. You don't have to pick a week or nothing, but
2: I like that. I like it's It's so much more, Free, freedom, you know, freeing. So this way you're not trying to dedicate and try to get your time off for this X amount of time, you know, and this way where it's like, where if you have stuff that come up, well, hey, I got several more weeks and such to get out there. There. And when I was watching the most recent, uh, mediator uh, show, they were, He had, uh he was, Steve Rinello was with his buddy down there in South Carolina, I believe it was North Carolina. Where it was the last weekend of the season and stuff like that. And he was talking about the, the psychology about the, the turkeys and how most of them all have up or already bred and stuff like that, but there's still some Toms out there. And you, so you can still call and try to get them in. And then at those point, those, those birds are even far hornier than they are in the beginning of the season. Cause well, they didn't have a chance to nut, you know?
3: Yeah. And that's, I've actually heard the last couple weeks of archery or of turkey season is usually the best which I'm like I've I've had success opening morning I've had success a couple weeks in but I've never I've always either quit or I just haven't had time in the late season so I'm really excited this year with the new job that I have I'm gonna be hunting every weekend that I can and that I mean I don't have anything else to do besides you know stuff my wife wants to do but you know she'll let me do what I want to do <laughs>
2: That Well, yeah, because I did see that you got a new job. It's like it's funny because we've been friends on Facebook forever, but I see I sp- see more of your content on your Instagram page than you do on on your Facebook page. But I actually had to go into the settings and change them so this way actually actually show, shows up on my feed because Facebook is really weird about the the folks that really like to be outdoors that you actually have to go one step deeper to make sure they show up on your feed. It's like what the French doors is going on here because it's like I knew you were working for Hy-Vee, then you got your new position. Uh, I just saw it today too, but I can't remember what it,
3: your new position. So. So my new position, I actually work for the state of South Dakota. I am a, the technical term is a disabled veteran outreach program specialist. So basically my job is I get to work with homeless, unemployed, disabled veterans, and I help them with their housing. I help them with the VA and I help them get a job.
2: Oh, that's awesome. You'd, you'd actually, yeah. I should get you in touch with uh, uh, Ryan Lundgren. He does the Fragout podcast where he primarily deals with a lot of veterans and such like that. And he, he, having you on that would just kind of shine a light to South Dakota and such. And I think that would be a good partnership for you guys to come on his podcast and have that conversation. I think he's going to be there that same weekend if you're able to make it out for the, the Toma Warren shoot. So this way, then I can just meet and greet because it's it's for us, for us, for uh, creators, as I should say. One it's the content creator, but we're creators in our own way. Like I do everything. Well, I I'm multimedia now, so it's like I do everything. So it's like when you talk about a busy and slow season, I don't have that. So what I do is now is I have actually I'm booked out for like the next six weeks. I'm doing podcasts on Fridays and or excuse me Sundays and Mondays. I have a I'm um, I have a six Podcasts in the hopper, just to be just as displayed. I just finished up yesterday's podcast with Matt for V. So I just been I just been grinding, man. I just like I figured like I need a I made a commitment to me last myself last year to just consistently drop content every single week. I'm kind of I'm kind of lacking on my five my Friday podcast with cooking, but the, these podcasts that I've done these last few ones, they they just didn't make sense. They were either I was either going to it was face to face or it was going to be over the phone. And it's like, they, they're not really chefs. They're not very confident. They don't really have any solid recipes to provide me that they wanted to brag about. So it's like, it's perfectly fine with me. I'm not going to force you just an opportunity for that to do. Cause you've, you've seen some of the people that come up with some fantastic items on my, on my page. I like that. I had, um, Oh, it was the, um, his servant, uh, podcast. Uh, it's a, it's, what's his name. It was James, John, what was his last name it's 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 escaping my mind but he is a army no he's a, in the service on fort benning down there in georgia and come on as i'm bringing up my feed here oh john uh duffield he gave me a recipe where what you do is you take a a what is it tenderloin and you take and you you cut it and you roll it out and then you put in a bunch of awesome ingredients and you roll it together and you roll it back together and then you brown it or you can bake it while we see fit the podcast is only like like 10 minutes long and i you gave me the you gave me the video or gave me a video and the recipe for everybody to do it and you uh, uh let's see here you saute up some onions you can do mushrooms if you want but you the, the brown sugar what in the cream cream cheese is what really kicks it off it may not be the most appealing to the eye but when you take that bite and you get that, that all that flavor wrapped into oh, he says it's, it's just it's absolutely delicious and he says his, his wife and his kids love it so and he and he gets to hunt down there in Fort Benning on on the base so then we talked about what he can do, what he can and can't do on that podcast on the base and it's like it's pretty very they're very liberal about bringing people in to hunt the pigs because that's their big one of their biggest issues and stuff like that is getting after those pigs in, the, in there because they not only do they destroy the the base but they also destroy the wildlife as well because they're just so evasive down there and it's like there's no winning against them it's like you can literally throw hand grenades and not make a dent
3: yeah. And that, so I was in Fort Benning for basic. And then when I got to Texas, that was the biggest regret that I have is i did almost no hunting in Texas, which I'm like, looking back, I'm like, I missed a huge opportunity because the base was open, but I just, I just didn't, I didn't bring my bow down. I didn't want to mess with the, the things that I had to do living on base with having the Cause My mentality is, yeah, sure. I'll leave my bow with somebody else and let them mess it all up. And then when I go to use it, it takes me the entire session to figure out what they did wrong with it. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to, I'll hunt when I come home. Otherwise I'm just going to, not mess with bringing my stuff down here because there's a whole process. You have to, if you live on post and you have to store your weapons in the armory and then in order to get your weapons, you have to find the armor to unlock it. And anytime after duty, it's hard as heck to find an armor. So it's like, no, I'm not even going to mess with it. It's it's just going to get broken. Then I am gonna have to buy a new one. So
2: <laughs> that's where you should, I don't know how long you were stationed there, but you probably been to use you just to become an armor yourself. So this way, then you have access to it. So you can get whatever you need to.
3: So I was actually this close to doing that. And actually one of my buddies, so I deployed and one of my buddies didn't, he had some family issues happening. Um, And so when I got back, they were like, Hey, we need to send some people to armor school. And I was like, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. And they were like, well, you just got back from deployment. You need to like figure your stuff out. We're going to send him instead. And I was like, no, like, that's all I wanted to do. But it's all good. He was, he was a good friend of mine and um, he actually, he's actually still in, he's been deployed three or four times. He's a staff sergeant now or, or, first start first class like he's he climbed up the chain so he's he's doing really well but that was that's always the joke that i played with and i was like well i'm just gonna call you every night when i want to come lock my ball and he's like i'm not answering anymore because you call too much so <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, that's just how it goes and such man uh so now you started the you got involved with what they call the cold shot why don't you tell the audience what you were telling me about it because it looks like a lot of
3: fun so the whole shot challenge is something that um, me and state wraps and bloodlines outdoors actually came up with last summer. Um, and so it was, it was just meant to be like a little fun game between me and state wraps and bloodline. We were just going to shoot against each other on Instagram to see who's the best shot. You know, you only get one shot. We're going to see who the best one is. And that kind of turned into a <coughs> single elimination bracket style event that we do now. We're actually kind of partnering with mountain archery fest Um, I'm not going to give away too much because there's actually a lot of details that we are working on for this summer yet. Um, and I don't want to divulge any of those, but I mean, the hint is we're working with mountain archery fest. So there's going to be stuff, including mountain archery fest. Um, like, um, uh i believe i believe we're trying to figure out a way to do an actual cold shot challenge at a mount archery fest event which means you come you sign up your first shot of the day and then you can actually have the opportunity to win real prizes meaning um stuff from their sponsors i know they're like uh, vortex um hha is a sponsor of them as well um PSE bows uh initially sent bow hitch there's a bunch of sponsors a whole list of sponsors state wraps um Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different sponsors. And so the idea is that we'll be able to go there and shoot at the event and then have the opportunity to, if you win first place, you you get a prize. But anyways, I I go off track. So the cold shot challenge right now is basically you get paired randomly with someone on Instagram who also wants to shoot. You guys decide a time you want to shoot. You guys decide a distance you want to shoot. And you decide um, who's going to post the live. Then you go on live together. So you guys are both shooting face to face. And you shoot at whatever distance you guys decided. And then the winner moves on to the next round. The loser's done. The kicker is it has to be the first shot of the day. You can't warm up. There's no practice shots. It's like the the way we describe it is you're hunting. You're not going to, before you go to the field at 6 a.m. in the morning, you're not going to shoot five arrows quick just to make sure you're feeling good. You're going to get your bow, put it in the truck, and you're going to head to the field. So we're trying to simulate that first shot of the day. You're, You're getting off work late. You're busting out to the stand that first shot is the only one that matters. And that's the entire purpose of the cold shot challenge. We do broadhead. um, We do all different distances. So um, me and Jeff were actually just talking about this. You don't need to have a certain amount of distance in your yard. Um, Last summer we did as close as eight yards and we did as far as hundred yards, 110 yards, maybe. So the distance does not matter. The um, shot placement is all that matters. We, we came up with a fancy target um, it's a circular target with numbers on it, so you can tell immediately who is closer uh, before we were doing it with a tape measure. But this is so much simpler. State wraps, Brian over at State wraps came up with this idea, and it it looks amazing, and it it's super easy to tell. Um, but the whole concept is you're training to hunt, you know, so we've had people that do ten pushups, ten sit- ups, squats, and then shoot their shot. We've had people that run and then do their squat and then do their shot we've had people that are way back at 100 yards do their shot um last year i actually almost uh, got a ground blind shot set up where we both had a ground blind and we did we're going to do a broadhead 32 yard shot like a very normal shot in the field in a ground blind sitting down with a broadhead shooting at a deer or whatever tart you have and that ended up not working out because the day we did it um it was super windy and i didn't want to break my blind Um, We're I'm actually in the process of trying to set up a tree stand shot to where you shoot from an actual tree stand. So, I mean, it's as creative as you want to get and It's, it's super fun right now. Me and bloodlines outdoors are coming out with the brackets and we are basically, we're doing every two to two and a half weeks, a new one drops. So it's a 16 man bracket now instead of 32, but I, I, I say, man, 16 person bracket we've had, Um, This last round, we had a 13 year old kid. The time before that, we had a couple eight year old kids. Uh, We have women, children, everybody's welcome. As long as you guys agree upon the distance. And the 13 year old kid that did it actually made it to like the final four. Like he was a good shot and he was shooting like 50, 60 yards. Like he was good. Um, So anybody's welcome, but it's really just dependent on how far you and your partner are willing to shoot. Um, So we're doing about every two and a half to three weeks, Um, 16 man rotating bracket. And then we just start as soon as one bracket starts, we start building the next one and we just build up, build up, build up. And then when it's time to launch the other ones over the new one launches, and then we start building the next one. So, um, the next bracket is going to be starting. I'm probably going to start building it tomorrow, honestly, so then we can launch it on Monday. So it's just something It's really, really fun to do. Um, it's good experience. You get to meet people from all over the country, all over the world. Uh, last year we had somebody shooting from South Africa, Australia, Um, I think those are the only two international ones, but then, you know, everybody across the nation, New Mexico, Florida, Colorado, Texas, South Dakota, Minnesota, everywhere, people shooting from everywhere. So it's really fun. It doesn't cost anything. However, we are working on a paid bracket where you'll actually get money out of it. It's a $10 buy-in and then whoever wins gets 60% of the entire buy-in. So do the quick math, hundred people buy in. You know, you are a hundred dollars of people buying that's ten people. You get sixty bucks right off the bat just for entering and winning. So um, there's definitely some prizes that we're working on, but we're trying to keep it in the spirit of bettering the archery community. So theres will always be a free version that we put on on instagram. It there, there will never go fully cost because the entire purpose of it is to meet new people in the industry, to practice, to try to better ourselves as archers. It has absolutely nothing to do with winning, however, you know, it's pretty cool to say that you beat 16 other people in a cold shot.
2: I think it's awesome. I think, uh, What you guys are doing is, f- is phenomenal. It's beautiful. I mean, it really emphasizes on the culture and the camaraderie. And, and it, this has a potential of having, creating all different kinds of, it's a nice thing about archery there's no division it's like you could i've seen kids outshoot me and they're 10 years younger than i am now keep in mind they have they have 10 year old eyes where i have 40 year old eyes staring in front of laptops and computers for the last 20 years but uh not jealous or anything <laughs> but it's 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 something that really i can really appreciate that that vibe because it's really cool and i'm i'm gonna definitely be signing up for it because i think this would be a lot of fun and i think my wife i should get her in, involved with it too it's just getting her like get like actually getting her shoot first before we do the cold shot. But I think once, once she, once she feels confident to be able to be on, on being, being live and doing it for it, I think she will have a blast because she is so much fun and she is, she, she gets competitive. So she, I might, she might volunteer for the $10 bracket type scenario. And then this way, then they can go from there and we can always work stuff out. I, I like it. I think this
3: is a, I think you guys are on something. Uh, and that we're hoping we are too, but like I said, it's, it's not about, like it's an awesome idea that we came up with because we wanted to grow the archery community. So like, for example, last year, we tried to separate it with like uh, an adults bracket and a woman's bracket and then a kid's bracket. And we're like, you know, we're running three brackets at a time. This is crazy. Why are we doing this? We're also running 32 man brackets. So we're like, okay, how are we going to fill 32 man brackets every three or four weeks? Well, It was also a problem because it would take three or four weeks to go through that whole bracket. So this year we kind of cut it down. We're able to put more out. We cut it down to 16 man bracket and there's no segregation whatsoever. If you want to, if you're a 10 year old kid and you want to shoot, absolutely. If you're a female, you want to shoot. Absolutely. You might be going against somebody else. Um, You know, you're not going to be shooting against people with the same poundage bows, same sights, none of that, but the requirement is hunting gear only. So You can't have, you know, normal hunting stuff, you know, like 12 to 15 inch stabilizer up front is maximum. No lenses, no magnifiers, um, nothing that is considered target. So we've actually had people that, you know, like this last bracket, I got a message and they're like, hey, what do I do? This guy said the only bow that he has set up is a target rig. And I said, sorry, he's disqualified. You guys can still go on live and shoot, but he's automatically disqualified because you're not going to hunt with that bow. Why would we let you do a cold shot with that bow? You know, I don't care who you are. You're mm-hmm. gonna, you're not hunting with a target bow. No, yeah. So know. most, most states you can't even have lenses or magnifiers or any of that stuff. So it's like we're not going to give you that advantage. It is just for fun, but it takes the competitive out of it. If you, if, if I'm shooting 20 yards every day, a target archer is going to beat me every single time because they're used to shooting 20 yards at a penny. So there, it's no fun for everybody this way. Everyone's on a level playing field. There's no extras is if you think you hunt with it, if you hunt with it, you can use it, but you know, limitations apply. Um, but that's the beauty of it. You can shoot against anybody, kids, women, adults, males, fat guys, skinny guys, professional athletes, you know, uh, Redbeard outdoors has actually been on in a couple of times. He's a great guy. If you ever, he actually does a podcast too. Um, I think you guys would get along very well. He's, he's, um, very family oriented he's a great guy but he's been on a couple times and he's the one that's like we should be doing air squats or you know one time he he went on live as he's pulling into the place he's going to shoot and he goes yeah i just got done working out for the last hour and a half Now i'm going to do a cold shot i'm just like i'd be dead after an hour and a half workout let's go, go shoot my bow <laughs> and so it's just it's crazy the atmosphere that we bring and it's always fun and there's always a ton of people tuning in and we have a group chat that all the active shooters are in and, and we just chat each other up all week and <clears throat> any questions you can DM me or, or, uh, outdoor, uh, bloodlines outdoors. We, like I said, we're kind of running the thing right now and it's just a blast. Get on it while you can guys.
2: That is fantastic. What I, I should uh, reach out to Jeremy Fisher. He runs the toxin app. Like he was telling you about, I think putting this competition on that app, it just, it'll, it'll
3: help work for both of you. Do you know how awesome that would be? That would be nuts, dude. I didn't even think about putting it on an app. That'd be yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think just these little, these
2: little, these little quirky things to bring in all ages to to enhance the culture. I think he, I, I know he'd be on it a hundred percent because him and I almost talk on the daily. Like because I've been trying to not only bolster my page but also his because i think i really believe in this app and it's like after you have a chance to, to look through it and i've had it downloaded since last summer and i finally wrote a review on it but i was just like but i've actually gone and done videos on it to show different features of the whole process and, I, and then what it has to offer is pretty neat and he is he's got his own bow shop it's a uh, badger state outdoors up there in eau claire so he is a, he is an archer at heart and he i mean he makes a living in the archery world but he just he just said there's not a um a, uh, app like this out on the market i think this is a beautiful thing to jump onto and "cub" to, and toxin is greek for bow or arrow that's
3: i read tr- that did you post that today i did i saw that today and i was like no way i actually downloaded the app after it was a couple of weeks ago you posted it on your story and i messaged you right away i was like what app is this i'm downloading it now because i had three or four different apps of like Uh, Arrow velocity, bow speed, um, FOC measurements, all all these different apps that you needed. I had one on my Android, but when I switched to Apple, I had to download like all these links and everything. So as soon as I found that app, I was like, mine, I'm taking it now. I'll pay whatever it is. I'm taking it. So I'm really looking forward to using that this year. Um, And I still haven't had a lot of time to play with it, but I, I will be playing with that soon. So shout out to him for creating an awesome app.
2: Yeah, that's the nice thing. It's like the unique thing is it's very um specific. It's very driven. And so him and I were going back and forth. There's I found a I found a bug that needed to be fixed. So I think he's got that worked out with the phone number and stuff because it was giving me different um giving me issues. So figured it all out and got it worked out. But the cool thing is, is like, you can actually go in there, put your IBO rating in there. How, what your pound is and stuff like that. It even, even actually asks you to include the D loop and the peep site. And I didn't know it's like between the two that's anywhere between 12 to 15 grains. It's like, I didn't know, didn't realize it had that kind of weight to it. I thought it was very surprising.
3: Yeah, it, it super is. And then depending on what bow strings you're using, they'll have different weight amounts on there. So it's like, and then if you have like a nose button or a kisser, um, Different d material if you're tying in your d loops. I mean, there's a ton of different factors when it goes into actual weight of your strings. Uh, and I usually guesstimate, I usually put in around 30 to 40 pounds or 30 to 40 grains. So I usually split it right at 35 just to be safe because I'd rather have it heavier than lighter. Um, but I actually bought a chronograph, I have it in my garage right now last this winter. Um, and that that is that has been really fun to play with i'm not going to lie
2: i believe i have to try, I have my wife will let me buy one i keep it's like i I'm, I'm, cuz like i have my I have my own account so i might just i might buy one just to have it cuz i've I, i've i've always been a big i've always been in the outdoor in uh, the paintball world so having a chronograph has always been kind of Always, always used to having, but then it's like, well, no, I don't. I don't play paintball as much as I used to. But it's like now, it's like, well, I can get one for archery. It's like this would be fun because it's like I actually have a bigger place where I can actually set up a little shop where I can start tinkering and all that fun stuff. And it uh, leads me into my my next topic. I was talking to Matt Futury uh, from a, a veteran or VIP archery, and he has actually created a brand new insert where you can actually come with aluminum, brass, or steel inserts. And it actually has a locking neck mechanism. So let's say you're shooting, you destroy your arrow. You can actually take that insert out and put it in a new arrow. And since a lot of products are being outsourced to Vietnam, uh, to the Philippines, or China, he's the only one that's all sourced stateside. So he's able to get it to the shops quicker. And it's going to save so much time because now they don't have to glue that insert in. So it's like that insert now could be transferable. So he's so I have to go buy a new um, a set of arrows and start playing with the stuff. He's He sent me out a box of goodies. So I'm looking forward to getting that in the mail and tinkering with all that fun stuff. And then I don't know, have you been paying attention to Zinger? Zinger has been like their their uh, fletchings are pretty cool because it's, it's a plastic or a silicone fletching. And it has either three, four or six of fins on it where it actually just takes and just slides over the vein in the back. So you actually don't have to worry about gluing anything. So it's like, if you want to swap that, uh, fletching out, you pull it off, put a new one on. That's how simple it is.
3: So I've actually had a couple people message me and they're like, Hey, you should check these, these, uh, the zingers out. And every time I'm just like, oh, I just don't know if I can give up the process of fletching arrows. Like that is so like Zen peaceful and it's a lot more work and a lot more expensive Trust me, because I don't like unfletching arrows. So when I want to play with arrows, I buy a new dozen and I play with them that way. And so it's like it's it's way more expensive, but it is so like there's just a different piece to building arrows yourself rather than – and the zingers look like they're a really good idea. I'm not knocking them at all. Like that's genius instead of buying all the jig and the glue and the veins and everything, you buy a pack of that for probably cheaper and throw it on. And then you can just keep using them regardless if you break your arrows.
2: Correct. That's what thing, like, but, but it's, it's, it's it kind of crosses that middle ground because you have guys like yourself. There's a lot more guys out there that prefer your method. Then you have people that will live in apartments, don't have a lot of space, but also like to do archery. And this is a good way to cut their costs, but allow them to play around with different stuff. So it gives them an opportunity to, Tinker, but also too if they if they're uh, depending on how what kind of relationship they have with their wife and what kind of income level they're at, it also opens that level of uh, flexibility too as well.
3: Well, it's definitely something I've been meaning to order just because I like I've said before I'm a tinkerer. I tinker with everything. I've I've done complete bow modifications in the middle of hunting season because I'm just I'm going to try it. Why not? And so it's something that I definitely need to get and I just need to pull the trigger and do it because I have enough arrows. I got like close to probably a dozen bear shaft right now of a different arrow that I don't shoot anymore, but I could easily set that up to shoot some of these zingers and just play around with them. I got enough bows. I mean, I could definitely play with them. I just, there's something about, even when I don't need arrows, I'll come out and I'll build arrows just because it's like, it's so peaceful and Zen and just turn some tunes on. And by the end, you just spin that thing and it's just a perfect spiral and just, Oh, it's, it's like that salt guy with the meat where he does that thing. It's just, yeah, it's perfect.
2: I, th- I think it's a it's a good opportunity with all that stuff here, and um, I'm looking forward to what I'm hoping everything is going on. But I think that if um, we'll get, I want to bring like I talked prior to the, the conversation kicking off, but I want to bring in Seth that helps run uh, the the one shot or not the one shot, but the, the weekly shot for, um, bow hunting, uh, lead the bow hunt the bow hunting league. I think it'd be kind of good to bring, bring, bring more attention to this right here, just to kind of build that popularity. And then it's like, a nice thing is that there's people that want to volunteer for it. That's a good way to be able to do that. And it's like, you guys already have a, a system down and doing 16 man bracket is, is, it's very simple, eight, eight and ready to go. And then, then this way, then you can start branching off to begin the next bracket if they get, uh, Still get that niche and that bug to get after it here. Now, this is where I want, I want to go into the next thing here. It's like uh, advanced outdoor technologies, man. I have been following these guys, and you know more and more, and more about them than I do. And
3: I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your uh, point of view. So outdoor, advanced outdoor technology is – I think I might have misspoke when we talked about it earlier. But I think I was we, – we started following each other. And I didn't really understand what he did. It was it was one of the, uh, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but it was one of the big booms I had where I had a, a lot of followers kind of coming at, at once. So I think he kind of got lost in the shuffle and I just, you know, I didn't know what he did. So I was, I was walking out of my tree stand one afternoon after most of a morning, half a day sit to get lunch. And as I'm, I'm rounding the shelter belt, I look up and I see a shooter buck standing about 50 yards from me. And I'm like, oh, this is great, perfect. And I go to reach for my thumb button and I had put it in the zipper on the backside of my bino harness. So then I look up, see this buck. And to get to my release, I have to unzip, pull out, clip on, and, and draw. And that's just too much movement. The buck's gone. say la vie. So I get back to my truck, and I hop on my live. It's, I don't know, noon, 1 o'clock, something like that. And I hop on my live, and I tell the story. And I'm like, somebody just needs to come out with something that you can mount on your bow that you can put your thumb release on. Because I'm, I'm sick of forgetting my release in the truck. I'm sick of not having it accessible when I'm going on a stock or whatever. I, someone just needs to do it. That it's not going to fall off. Not two minutes after this thing drops, um, outdoor advanced outdoor technologies literally messaged me and he goes, "Hey, what kind of release do you have?" And I, you know, I'm hot shot X spot. It's the one I've been using. I'm still using it. I love it. It's a great release. And he goes, "Okay, hold on a second. Uh, a couple days go by, maybe a week. And I get a message from him, and I go, he goes, hey, just so you know, this release mount, and he sends me a link, will fit your hotshot um, release. And I, I was like, okay, hold up. So I clicked on it, and I was like, this is the answer to my prayers. I ordered it that night. It came in a couple days later, and I was just floored. I was like, so I messaged him, and I was like, how long have you had this out? And he's like, I have had it out for a while. Do you, while. Do you, you have know, your whatever. bow with you yeah. with that mount? Brent? grab it. This, this
2: is going to be redistributed on YouTube, so my might as well show people.
3: Absolutely. I got a couple other perks on too. Maybe you can see them. too. Yeah, let's do it. So there's the mount. If you can see that I do, I see it. So here's my hot shot X spot. Oh, look at that. Just, it just clicks right into play. Yep. It's fully magnetized. So there's a magnet there. And then if you look on the front, if you can see that without me breaking a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah, I can see it. I see the the latch. That's
3: also magnetized. So there's there's the the front part of the magnet, right? Well, <clears throat> for double security, it latches in like this. Oh, beautiful. So, this is the demo I always do.
2: Oh, perfect.
3: And then just to uh solve people's fears.
2: Oh shit, that's some powerful magnets.
3: Yeah, like this this thing is not this is not coming out anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I see that. It's so i i as soon as i found it i was like heck yes order me one and um specific for hot shot i don't have any other releases but this is a new tempest i just got this it also fits oh that's sweet yeah i'm i'm like in love i have a haze too and i venture i think this actually it kind of fits but the nose It's not quite long long enough. So that's, if I had to say there was one downfall of this product, it was, it's not universal. So every one of these that he makes has to be specifically fitted for the thumb that you're using. Other than that, it's, it's honestly, it is a perfect thing. So you can mount it on your stabilizer like I have it. You can see it just screws onto your stabilizer hole. But then you can also take this hook part off and you can mount it directly on your sight. So you can mount it right up here too, if you wanted to. Now, I can't because I have the bow hitch on here. So if you can see this, yeah, I have I the it. bow hitch on. So it it makes my sight sink too far in. So I'm not able to mount it on my bow, which it doesn't matter to me. Um, the bow hitch is worth every bit of space you think you're losing. Um, have you ever heard of the bow hitch,
2: Jeff? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it.
3: Yeah, okay, good. This is um, the best invention I've seen in a long time. It's very similar to this. I'm really only into things that make your life easier. Um, I don't like – flashy stuff isn't nothing. If it doesn't have a practical purpose. I don't care about it. This is a super practical purpose. I went on a two-and-a-half-mile goat stalk last year, and my arm was 100% fresh because my bow was hanging like this the entire time. It's the best thing in the world. Um, so those are kind of the two hacks that I religiously use because they're – I mean, you just can't – you can't lose if we're being honest you just can't. So a couple other things that I'm trying out right now. So the the guy that runs bonus ring, I want to make sure to put that on there. So people can look it up. Um, He was like, Hey man, I heard you're doing a giveaway. Would you be interested in giving away a bonus ring? And I was like, you know, I don't really do giveaways for products that I've never used before. So let me order one and I'll see if I like it or not, and then I'll kind of get back to you from there. So I ordered an orange bonus ring, and the whole purpose behind this is when you're at full draw, sometimes you have that little gap in your peep sight where you can see around your sight. All right. Yeah, I know what you mean. So this is supposed to fill that gap. Um, I haven't shot it at distance. I haven't – right now my 20-yard pin is – I don't see a lot of gap because the way it's seated on my, on my peep, I'm, I'm a little crunched in. So I'm excited to kind of put it out to like 60, 50, 60, 70 yards and see that, that gap kind of open up. But I don't know. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I'm excited to try it. Um, and I, I don't see it hurting anything, you know, um, it's just going to give you a more consistent sight picture and anchor point. So that's one thing I'm super stoked about. Is it plastic or silicone? So it's like a, I, th- I got, I got the instructions right here. What did I do with it? Uh, it is a uh, sight ring enhancer, vibration damper, glows in the dark, 100% silicone. Yeah. So it's hundred percent silicone and it, the, the concept of it is great. And honestly, the reason that I was really interested in it was because I remember with my Matthews, I had just a slight ring. And I, I I was fine because I always just did the peep to the top. So I would always make sure the top of my peep was at the, type of the top of the site. And that was my consistent anchor point. And I think I got an HHA uh, site on here now. And that I think that might be a little bit bigger scope. So I don't have that ring as much. Um, but I still, I still think it's going to be a sweet addition just because any of that daylight that might get in there that might. View, view that inconsistency is going to be eliminated with this. So um, I threw it on just today. Actually, I just got it in the mail. So I'm going to play with that for a couple of weeks and then uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's going to be, a, it's a, it's a good addition regardless. So.
2: That's what I, I like those, those solid additions there. Now I went with uh, the, the bow spider out of Montana and uh, they're, they're going to be on the podcast as well down the road in May, but it's like, it's the same concept of the bow hitch. I just like the fact that it's like, it, it, I can have multiple mounting points, whether it be on my hip or on my pack. So it's like, I like that feature of having that flexibility and the bow hitch has the same flexi- flexibility too, where it's like, it sits comfortably in your armpit. So like both of them, it's just like, it just comes down to what your price point is essentially.
3: Yep. So interesting story about that. I have, I've never tried a, a bow spider. I'm not, I, I have no, no opinion on it. Um, honestly when i got to math is when i met the bow hitch guys armando with the bow hitch super good guys and he was like hey try this one it it was a bright orange one that i put on my matthews because it was pretty much all orange and he was like try this one see what you think and i was like perfect thanks i came down the mountain i said here's my money take it i'm I'm taking this hitch um (laughs) and so fast forward a year later and now me and armando are great friends i text him we, we message each other all the time like we're good friends and so i was talking to him one day and i was like hey man have you heard of this bow spider? What do you think of this? And he goes, honestly, we're a direct competitor. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking you. Like, what do you think? And he goes, what I think is I think the guys that run the bow spider are the most stand up dudes that I've ever met. And I was like, Whoa, what's up? Talk to me. And so he was at a math or attack event, a total archery challenge event where the him and the bow spider guys were like right next to each other in the booth. And so he was like, he was like, this is going to be awkward. Like we sell like a very similar product, like who's going to, you know, and it was like halfway through the first day, the, the founder of the bow spider comes up to me and goes, Hey man, my name's so-and-so what's yours. And they start talking and the dude's just like Armando's like, he just started dropping like industry secrets on me. He was like, do this, do this. Don't do this. Try this out. This might help you get more sales. This might help blah, blah, blah. And at the end, Armando's like, dude, like we're competitors. Like, I know I'm just getting in this game, but is this how everybody is? And he's like, I don't know. The way I look at it is there's enough people in the archery industry. We don't have to compete. We can each sell a product to a different person and be good with that. And Armando goes, dude, you and me are going to be best friends. They're still friends. Like they still talk. And he told me this on the phone and I'm like, dude, you guys are crazy. And he's like, "No, man, if I ever, if we're ever at the same place, I'm going to introduce you to him because he's a good dude. I was like, (laughs) All right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I got to meet uh, David and Crystal at the Iowa Deer Classic, and though David is, is just a really cool dude, and staying with Crystal, they were really nice. And I got a, I got a hat along with my collection, as you can see over there, all of my lovely. Hat. I got a, i got a, something. I got more hats, so I got to actually got to build a third row because I have so many of them. Now, the reason why I grabbed my bow down is I want to show you something that I got. So I found this guy. It's from Accurate Archery, and what it is, it is a. Sight tape light, and it's designed for anything that has tape on it. And now, what it what is it? It's, it just mounts, as you can see right here. Now, this is ambidextrous, so it go for left and right. But I'm hoping this will register on the screen here. Yeah, see, it lights oh. up your tape. Yeah, it lights up your tape. So, and I, I, it's like I wasn't quite sure about it, but it's like that. I had some flashbacks of this previous season where I've had animal, I've had deer. And also, like random wildlife come around me. It's like, but I couldn't see him, But it's like all I have is my headlamp. So like, if I turn my headlamp on, it's gonna be bright. And it's like, and so it's like, well, this is kind of frustrating. And here at that sh- at the show, it's like he's—I don't know if he sold out of them, but he did a really good job with um, partnering up a couple different um, out- outfitters and outdoorsmen and stuff like that to really br- brandish his product. But it's like the price point's only—it's made in America. It's only twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, at the, if you go to, if you see him at a, um, an event, it's usually 20 bucks. So this way, but it's really neat. It's really easy to install. It took me, it's a nice thing is he gives you an extra pack of batteries because we all forget. I mean, we'll, we'll walk out and we'll leave it on and all of a sudden we'll forget to shut it off. But yeah, look at that. I mean, it's just absolutely that bright,
3: really bright too.
2: Now I did, I have a, have a reel on my Facebook or Instagram where it's, I put it in my back room where it's just completely pitch black and I turned it on. I think I sent you the video. It's like, dude, you should make that a reel. It's like, and I did. And it's just, it, but it's like it shows how bright it really is. But he designed this for turkey, deer, anybody that's in those low light scenarios where you just need just enough to see your sight tape and go from there.
3: Well, and it, I can see it being perfect for like that last five minutes of legal shooting light where it's, You're still good enough. You can see your pins are still good, but you just might need to have that little extra help adjusting your sight tape or seeing that bottom pin or whatever it is. You're still perfectly within legal light. But like for me, legal shooting light ends five to 10 minutes before because it gets so dark. You can't see nothing. I can't see my pins. Why would I take a shot? You know, but I've seen deer clear as day in the moonlight. I just can't see my pins. So that's definitely what I immediately thought of when you sent me that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really good idea. And then then also there's a I, these are my new grips. I put on these are from uh Tiger Grips. They're new. They're only been around for uh since 2021 and they just it just like Blizzard skin or anything else like that, but they they fit real nice and comfortable. But I redid it all and stuff like that and I had some extra stuff so I kind of blinged it out, but as you can tell it matches my strings and stuff like that and I, this is a big shout out to um Anthony Schmidt in his SH S, S strings, uh, co- a company there in lacrosse. And he, he did mine. He did my wives. He's done my, these, the previous set on this bow too, as well. So I always go to him just because of the quality that he puts into it. And they last me three years. I don't shoot a lot. So it's like, so for those who think like, why are we replacing them every three years? I, I don't shoot a lot. I maybe mean, I shoot maybe, maybe two to 3000 arrows a year. That's it. Now there's guys out there like you, you probably shoot maybe five to 10,000 a year. And where it's like, you feel that urge to always go in and get them replaced. I don't shoot that much. I do most of my shooting, doing 3d archery. And even still then I may be shooting maybe 50 arrows the entire day. Cause it's like, I treat every shot like a cold shot. So I'm coming back drawn anchoring and then letting go. After I go through the whole process.
3: Yeah. And you're hundred percent right. Like I shoot a lot of arrows. I don't, I've never actually sat down and done the math, but like during the summertime, there'll be weeks where I'll shoot a thousand, maybe 2000 in a week, just going outside with five, 10 arrows. And I just watch them at whatever distance. And I'll do that for an hour or two. Um, and so, I mean, I'll shoot two, three, four thousand arrows a week in the summer, just because, you know, it's Saturday. I go out in the morning, boys wake up, I come inside, they go down for a nap. I go back outside. They wake up. I come back in. Dinner's over. They go to bed. I go back out. I mean, I'll shoot. I'll shoot two, three, four hundred arrows a day, just because I I want to. Why wouldn't I? I have the range to do it. So I'm a little I'm a little little jelly over your range. So (laughs) I get that that more than you think. Actually, yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but I actually I found a three strings Brett over. He's he's out of Washington, I believe, and he has some of the best strings that I've ever used. So I. I love the color combinations that he has. He's he's helped me out in a pinch, so I, I'm like I will I'll buy your strings forever. They're good quality strings. They're bloodline fibers. No waxing. Um, he pre stretches them so there's no stretching. There's no peep twist. Uh, I put I think I put a thousand to fifteen hundred arrows through my Matthews with a brand new set of A3 strings on, and the uh, poundage adjustment from the first to zero was point it was point something. It was less than 0.6. I think it was 0.5 or 0.4 of a poundage difference. So it was 72.5. And then when I did it again, it was 72.1 or 70 point, 72.0. Like it was spot on. And I just couldn't believe it. I messaged him immediately. And I was like, did I put too many twists in these? Like, did I break them? Because the poundage is not moving. And he's like, no, that's the way I designed it. So Good job. So he's got a great company as well. And I just, I just love him. And he's, he's always available for questions, which is a huge thing to me. So
2: that is a, that is a good customer service aspect. That's why I like all of all of my, all of the, the, um, sponsors that i have on my podcast all my affiliate links they all have great customer service like nate and chris for rpg they'll answer your questions anytime at night well with not it's like three o'clock in the morning but then you have hha their customer service is just fantastic that's why i've been with hha before i even met chris it's like my first one was a slider pin and i actually i got one chris when i chris and i met i got my new uh tetra max and Alicia got one too so what we did is we actually donated that that uh the rest and the other the previous um, sites to Tyson. So he can reuse those for somebody else. So we, 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 we rehome them for somebody else that can use them because the sites are, are they're well worth the money, but not everybody has the money to be able, the, the means to do it. So it's like, well, I'd rather give it to him. He's going to make sure it finds a good home. They're high quality. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with them. That's the best part. And the warranty on them is lifetime. You know, that's what I was sold on because when I went, when I first, got introduced to h when I first bought my first Hoyt because I had a f- simple three pin fuse, like $50 fuse. And so I worked. like, it worked at the job. And, but then it's like, I wanted to go to a single pin. And it's like, I was comparison and contrasting in there. And I met Randy at uh, Coyote Creek there in Rochester. And he gave me a story where he called up Chris or called up, their manufacturing manager or customer service could have been Chris tough to say this was five six years ago and they they over they practically sent him a brand new housing for him and they got him ready to go for that weekend so it's like it kind of sealed the deal for me so I dropped the 250 bucks for the site and I loved it And so I got my wife the exact same one and she really likes because she only shoots like a 40 to 45 pound draw. So the slider actually was quite um, comfortable for her because then she can almost leave it white and then just kind of mark off where everything was at and just kind of, and then fine tune it from there. Cause the way the system is set up is not quite the easiest. Then, um, which one, what I, I want to roll into next is the easy V site. How do you like it?
3: So the easy V site, I, I think this is probably like my top, my top, question i get every every time i post anything with easy every i get like five six seven comments 10 dms everything how do you like the easy v site and i say the same thing every time if you are not a distance shooter like 50 yards is your max 100 percent go for it it is a super fun site it's super easy to install it's super heavy duty it's really fun to shoot but if you like shooting in that 50 60 70 80 100 120 yards that's where I say no. The whole the whole concept of it is this, right? So that's the whole concept, and the concept is frame it. So if my nose is the vitals, you want to frame until and he gives you like a target to practice on, so you can practice the framing. But you basically frame it and then you claim it. So you frame it and then you shoot. So it's a range finding and target sight at the same time. So it, essentially, you could you could use it as a range finder. I never did just because I didn't trust myself that much, but. You frame it and then you claim it. Now, as you can see, the lower you get, the harder it is to see, right? So this is about it looks like at 50 yards. And then past that, I mean you're you're shooting on the bubble. So I, I shot it the entirety of last year on my Darton because. Um, I figured, well, Darton's, it was a slower bow, It was a sixty-two pound bow. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be moving at significantly slower than my Matthews is. So I'm not going to get those long distance with good trajectory anyway. So I was like, I'll throw this on there just to kind of play with it, and it, I loved it. I um, somebody actually asked when I, I posted a video of the new HHA site, and they said, hey, if you're getting your, your EZV, let me know. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it back on that bow when I when I get a new Dart that it's at seventy pounds. I'll I'll do that. But while well, I'm talking about the Darton. If you haven't yet, you need to check out the speed videos that I've done. So with this new chronograph that I bought, by the way, I bought a chronograph. I've been testing the 72 pound Matthews traverse against the 62 pound Darton Maverick XT. And the difference is like four feet per second in every category.
2: Nice. That's really consistent. And the I've shot Darton before in the past. Like I have a buddy of mine that, uh, up in, um, Green Bay had, he introduced me to the Maverick. I shot the Maverick, the Maverick two. And I, sp- and I also shot the Spectre E and boy, like the, the newest one that, that just came out, that's the one I want to shoot. But around here, nobody has it in stock. It's either Matthews, Hoyt, Bowtech or Elite or Expedition, depending on where you're at. And I, I think they're solid bows. They're really good price point. They're very competitive. I consider them like, right. Like if you're looking between uh, Athens, archery, uh Darton and Expedition, they're all three high competitors right there. But it's like overall, it's like that's their price point. But it's like I think they compete just as well with White's and Matthew's as well. They just shoot so smooth.
3: Well, and that was the big thing that I – so I've actually been communicating with Ted Harpin, who is the sales manager for Darton. And then I've, I've exchanged a few emails with Randy Kitts, who is the CEO. Or the, he just bought Darton. And that was the one thing I said every time. Nobody knows how good this bow is only because nobody can shoot the bow. Like there's no, there's one dealer in the entirety of South Dakota and it's an hour and a half drive for me. Who's going to drive up? Who's going to drive an hour and a half to test a bow that they don't even know if they're going to want to buy when they can go to shields 20 minutes away and test Matthews, Hoyt, uh, PSE. They got some Fred bear there. I mean, why would you do that when, you know, everybody preaches about Matthews, everybody talks about Hoyt, everybody's on the bandwagon of PSE. No one's gonna to want to go test a, a a Darton that they've never even heard of before when they could buy the top three brands right there. So that was the biggest thing I said to Randy and Ted. I said, you guys got to get more reach out there or even start a program where you can like direct ship to someone's house, give them you know insurance on the boat, let them try it out, let them set it up and shoot it, and then send it back if they don't want it. There's not going to be very many people sending it back. People are going to, as soon as they get their hands on one of these Dartons, the first thing they're going to say is, why have I been shooting Matthews the whole time? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's outstanding how smooth of a bow it is. And nothing against Matthew. i shot Matthew for many years. It's a great bow. But you don't know how great the other bows are until you shoot them. And that's where I'm at right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I completely understand that because like Expedition and and Darton are very are two underrated uh, bows, and the nice thing like Kurt and those guys they don't advertise, they don't pay to be in some of these um, uh, awards because some of them, some of these awards uh, companies that they do their their top builds and stuff like that. Well, a lot of these guys will they'll, they'll, if you pay x amount, you kind of pretty much pick and choose your spot on the spectrum and such depending on how much you give them. But I like that how these guys all only don't they don't pay for their their um their publicity they, they they use the culture to brag about them similar to what matt with a, a vip um, archery he doesn't pay for his studies and stuff like that he does he does everything independently and it goes from there and it's like the cool thing is like he's he's gets feedback from people using his broadheads from australia Austria, from Germany, from Mexico, all, all across the North American continent here. So it's like that's his test group, and and we talked about the lethality, and he's his broadheads have anywhere between a ninety four to ninety seven percent return rate on of the harvesting, and that's through his. 20 years of experience, stuff like that, getting feedback from people in Australia, from Africa, all that fun stuff. And uh, with this new set, the broadheads that are coming out, he's got a, a direct guy that deals safaris, deals with safaris in Africa, that's going to be shooting animals every single day for the next eight months with his broadheads for, because of how bit booked up the trips are.
3: Well, and that's, that's the thing. That's why you can't be, I mean, I'm not saying there's bad, like the rage broadheads. I was hooked on the rage train the first time they came out back in 2005 or whatever. That was the first broadheads I bought. Um, no one's discrediting any of their broadheads, but there's something to be said about people or companies in general that pay for advertising and then companies that get free advertising because of how great their product is. I'm not dissing anybody. I mean, you, you got, you got the best arrows in the world. You can advertise them however you want, but it just seems more genuine when you got a, a smaller company that's like, no, we can't afford it. And yet it's blowing up because everybody and their mother is going, check out this company. It's the best company in the world. Like that's where the bow hitch is at. That's where um the bow spider technology is uh, at the yes. bow spider.
2: Yeah, there's all these small companies. It's like it's us talking about it. And the cool thing is like I don't knock any broadheads because I've shot I've shot uh, uh grave green reapers i've shot rages and they all work they all definitely work and it's like it comes down to your to user preference and the best part is it's like if you're a good shot it doesn't matter what broadhead
3: you're going to use you can kill a deer with a field point well that's the thing that i've always preached everyone's like oh what broadhead do you use what broadhead i i lose stiff and i'm looking for a good fixed place i want to break shoulder and i'm like don't aim for the shoulder if you don't if you want to if you want to have a broadhead that's going to break the shoulder you're aiming at the wrong spot you should, you should be aiming behind the shoulder. I, I, now, don't get me wrong. I understand prep for the worst-case scenario. I completely get that. But in my experience, I very rarely shoot ahead. I generally shoot behind. So in that case, I'm getting lungs, ribs. That's about it. An expandable is going to cut a lot more than a fixed blade. So in my experience, I have a better success rate with an expandable on a not-so-good shot than I do with a fixed blade on a not-so-good shot just because – you know, you're, you're cutting more. You're, you have better surface area, all the science behind it. But I don't knock anything either. I'm a tinkerer, so I tinker with everything. I got expandables. I got hybrids. I got fixed blades. I got rubber O-rings. I got magnetic ones. I got, I got tons of different broadheads because I might have three or four different ones in my quiver because, I mean, I'm going to get them all tuned the same. They're all going to fly straight. It's going to be perfect. I just, you know, if I'm hunting with an extra doe tag, I might break out a broadhead I haven't shot yet just to see if it works or not.
2: Yeah, I can really relate that. I, like in my quiver right now I have the the combat veteran, the veteran, the adam and rage. Just in case if like, for some other reason, like where I hunt in Wisconsin, I can have four different tags for three for doe, one for buck. So it's like, or if I get a little squirrely, I see a squirrel that I want to put an arrow in. It's like, well, let's see what the, let's see what this does to this animal here or, or rabbit. Cause I always get a small game license. It's like, I'm not going to not capitalize on my opportunities of being out there because we've all been in there and we all have that same fucking squirrel. It's like, I wish I had somebody I could shoot it with, where I don't going to feel bad if I destroy the arrow.
3: Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't diss anybody. The only time, the only time I diss anything is poor customer service. That is the thing that will, I don't care if you have the best product in the world with the crappy customer service, you lost me. I'm not going to be there. Um, it's just not worth the hassle to me. And I'm I'm getting to that point with a couple products that I have right now. I'm, I'm getting kind of tossed around and I don't like it. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus right now, but I've, I've been waiting like I'm, – I'm missing a part on one of my pieces of equipment. Um, the part broke, and it's not supposed to break. It's under warranty and everything. I've been talking with the company. They're sending me the part, but it's been like a month and a half process that I've been talking this through, and they sent me one part that was the wrong part. So then they asked me what the right part was, so I sent them the right part, and then they sent me a graph to tell me what part it was. So I told them the part it was, and that was three weeks ago. And I'm just like – I just – I'm not just going to go buy a new one at the, at the rate that we're going because by the time you get it to me, I, I've already missed setting up my bow with it. I've already, I've already missed the key opportunities I need it for. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, I just don't know what else I can do. So I, I, customer service for me is the deal breaker. You can have the best product in the world if you've got crappy customer service. Chances are um, I'll be doing business elsewhere.
2: Yeah, that's, I'm saying both there too. I was, my current company was, I started customer service and got where at, and I got to work with veterans and, and people that survived um, 9-11, volunteers and such, also working with MEPS and uh, the reserve program and such. And so it's like, we had to be, we're dealing with people's uh, careers here. So we, we I always, we I wanted to be the best in the best position to be, to help deliver that customer service. Cause some of these guys fought and served for our country and it's like, an, or they're going to go fight for our country. It's like, we want to make sure everything, all everything is ready to rock and roll for them to begin their career or get out of the, get out of it. One of the two. Yeah. But I think we we hit all the key notes on want what really brings an archer to the to certain product is the customer service. Now, as an archer, our time is very crucial. Now you add in a, a nine added in a job, a wife and kids. And if we're waiting on products to, to begin the next project or moving into the next hunting season, you're you're really losing me here, bud. So I I wanted to move into something new. I think you'd actually appreciate that. I was just found out that last year, they've started to see paddlefish moving back into Minnesota where they haven't been in decades. Now the reason being is that they removed a couple of dams outside of Laverne and Pipestone area there. And now they're seeing pipes or paddlefish moving upstream.
3: That's actually really cool. There's a spot that is I don't want to say famous for paddle fishing, but in Yankton, South Dakota, it's right on the river. And you see people paddle fishing out there all the time, obviously during season. But I mean, it's crazy. I've never actually been paddle fishing, but I've always said if I ever was going to get into fishing, that would be the kind I would get into.
2: Well, the cool thing is, like, uh, one of my guests, Justin Fiscajohn, he actually just lives on the other side of the state in Button, North Dakota. And he actually caught the world record in 2017, it was 85 pounds. And it only, it only, this record only lasted like a year. Then the following year, somebody caught one at like 86 and some ounces. And now the newest world record was caught in Nebraska last year at 92 pounds. And this is all through bone arrow. That's it. Cause then like I've seen, I watched his videos and stuff like that from last season over over the last few seasons. All you see is this little fin. It sticks up above the water. And the thing is, it's like, it's all the way in the back. So it's like this whole fence here, but then you have the bodies all up here in the paddle. So you have to shoot someplace in here and actually moose it and actually hit it. He says he'll probably shoot two to 300 times trying to get after one when they come through and such. And it's not uncommon to pull 60, 70 pounds, but him getting that world record, you got it mounted, he got it mounted, he got a plaque for it, so this registered as a world record. So it's a really good podcast that we recorded here last year.
3: I'm going to have to, you're going to have to forward that to me, because boat fishing is the only type of fishing I like, and I don't do it a lot, but um, I got a buddy down in Texas who's got the whole boat set up and the lights and everything. It is so much fun. Holy smokes
2: that was supposed to be my bachelor party in 2019, but we get him getting storm coming, So we weren't able to capitalize on it. So we ended up throwing, we ended up uh, pounding backs and brewskis and throwing axes at a wall. So that was fun. That, that was still, it was a good trade-off, but it was like, we all would have preferred going up there. Cause then it's like, it would have been that whole camaraderie and having fun. Like then all of us like archery and with that, with the Asian carp and such them all flying out. And I was also learned that how they handle carp is that carp tend to be a social fish. Like in the wintertime, they'll actually school together. And they'll, in, some, in some bodies of water, the DNR have actually put little tracking devices in the, the carp and they use that to pattern them throughout the year and where they like to, to bank up on the sides of the rivers. And so what they'll do is they'll actually come in, cut out a, a, a 10 yard by 10 yard um, square and pull all the ice out and they'll just take a net and they'll pull all of them up, and they'll bag hundreds at a time because they pool together to stay warm and, and what however they however they work out. But I watched some videos on TikTok and YouTube and saw how they just like they swim all over each other, like you would be in a feeding frenzy in a um, with throwing uh, bread out there on the water. Because there's some areas that have been like on, on Lake Madison there where you can when after a good hard rain the carp come to the top and you can start throwing bread out there and they'll come up and
3: they'll slurp it down and such. That's crazy. Carp, I I mean, I did not see my first carp until, I don't know, it must have been, I was well into my teens. And it was just because the creek that ran through our town had a little spillover. And apparently one summer they moved in and just loved it. So I, I never really caught any carp. I never had any I never wanted to catch a carp. And then I I go down to Texas and hang out with my buddy. And he's like, let's go bow fishing," And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it is a riot. And there's so, he has the Texas state record, like one through five for Buffalo carp. Like he's caught the record for uh, the first through the fifth place. And we caught, we shot one down there and it was like a 36 pounder. And I was like, this is, huge," and his state records, like 50 or 60 pounds. Like it's, it's absurd. This thing is. But he has a bow and he has two or three bows knocked up at all times. And so he'll go and he'll shoot. And if he hits a big one, then he'll lock that bow up and pull another one out and put another arrow in it. And he'll do that as many times as he needs you to, to get the arrow in or to get the, the fish up. It was like, you're a mad scientist. So it was really cool, though, because he's a veteran and I'm a veteran. We're both we're both good friends. We work with an organization called Over the Edge Outdoors. Um huge, really good organization. If you ever want to talk to somebody on the podcast, his name's Chris. He's a really good guy. He runs a, basically a hunting community for veterans with PTSD, very similar to HHA USA now. Um, but just, he does it more of the hunting instead of a 3d shoot. So he takes people out hunting hogs in Texas and, and all that stuff. But anyways, so, uh, we were, we were shooting on this boat and we were at each other's necks the entire night, like just jab, 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 you're better. I'm worse, blah, 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 blah. And so this film, He sees this fish and he goes, Oh, it's a big one. And I don't know what it is. So simultaneously on video, we both draw back and shoot the exact same time. And then we both hit the same carp. Oh, that's crazy. So I think they actually have a promo video of it out. You see us, it's like a side view and you see us both like, and it's like, it's like simultaneously as it gets. And we both just drilled this carp in different spots. And you see in the video, you both, both of us just like look at each other, like, do we just become best friends? Like that's crazy! You can't let that <laughs> So we ended up reeling it in. I actually had to shoot it again because it was that was the thirty six pound carp. So I had to shoot it again so we could pull it up. And oh man, it was it was a blast! It was a blast. Now. I'm not sure if
2: this is accurate or not because I'm not 100 percent sure. But I know some areas in along the Mississippi there were pl- there, there were ponds that actually had them stocked. And what ended up happening is one of the flooding times, and maybe it was the early 90s when uh, when we when Iowa went through their flooding and all along the Mississippi, like there was a massive amounts of water and the Des Moines River flooded and such. And maybe that's how some of them got in. there. I'm not. There's no way of tying them together, but that's what I believe that one theory is: is that waters rose so much pulled, filled up those ponds, those ponds spilled over into the Mississippi, and then they ran from there. They're all throughout Iowa and up through um, Illinois, Arkansas and such. Now, the reason why they're not too much in Wisconsin and in Minnesota is our dam system. And they've also figured out ways to actually increase the amount of water force that's traveling through them to keep them from jumping into the next levee. That's why they've kind of been kind of capped in certain spots and why they can't get any further than that. I know, Oh, I think it was right when I started first dating my wife, they, it was I think it was 2015 or 2016, the DNR down there in Illinois, they ran and they, they shocked the water and they pulled out like six or seven truckfuls of the 53 foot long trailers full of just carp. And, and that, that really curved the, the amount there. Cause I mean, they reproduced like rabbits. And uh, pigs and such. And that really has dropped them down. But you can still hear them, but they're not as prevalent as they once were because even in the wintertime, you can hear them barging. And when the barges come up the Illinois River, you can hear them running into the side of the walls because they, that um, the vibration just gets them agitated and they start moving in. And they start trying, trying to jump, but they end up charging right into the the barges. It's something interesting to see. And then they, it's unique because when, when, if they die, they'll come to the top and you'll see the bald eagles come down swooping. Cause there's bald eagles all up and down the
3: Mississippi. That's awesome. Speaking of bald eagles, sidetrack bunny trail, there is a nest, a nesting pair of bald eagles, like right on the interstate here in South Dakota. I drive by it every morning. That's
2: awesome. Man, you should come to Lacrosse. You'd be blown away for how many will you see. And you should see when the when the seagulls come up from down south, and they they, they kind of get into a little turf war there in Lacrosse because the seagulls will fly up the Mississippi, and when the when the ice when well, said ice has been breaking up, the the they, they kind of meet each other, and they, they they don't monkey with each other too much because the seagulls can be quite big. They're a little bit bigger than, than bald eagles, but boy, if they get in the if they get in a, get catch one with an two or maybe an adolescent. That's between that one to five years old and to get into a little fight. And I haven't seen too many pictures of it, but they they tend to be they they tend to be um, neutral to towards each other. Don't get too aggressive. But when it comes into food, you can see some fights in the water.
3: Yeah, and I'm just I just got done watching. It's a series on Netflix called Animals. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. There's an episode called Birds of Prey, which I'm obsessed with. I love hawks, uh, falcons, eagles, all that stuff. Just it's so cool how like critically designed to kill they are uh, but they do a whole like mini thing on bald eagles and they talk about how they the pairs are pairs for life they're mated for life they if if one dies they don't breed again um, they're with their kids for like five or a year or two after they're born and just like the whole process, how the dad goes and hunts and brings it back to the mom who's sitting on the nest. And, and then I saw those eagles and I was just like, Oh, like I'm trying to, I'm Googling, like, what is the res- federal restrictions on using a drone within X amount of yards of a, an eagle's nest? Cause there's, there's like federal protections against them. Oh, so they'll, they'll destroy them. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't do that. They don't No, fly- no It's illegal. <laughs> well, yeah. If,
2: illegal even around here, which is perfectly, which is understandable around here. Like, like people want to take pictures of the Mississippi or they want to get something. The Eagles will attack them. They'll just destroy them. They'll think they're an oncoming predator. Like, uh, my, uh, sister-in-law's boyfriend has one and he doesn't and he wants to fly it around the bank stuff like that but there's so many nesting eagles he doesn't want to risk it because it's like it was the, the drone was like a couple of grand and he doesn't want them coming and destroying and just nosediving diving it so it's like you have to be very careful because like even though grant the S, yes they are illegal to fly around but they are highly aggressive and they think they're invaders so it's like you don't want to lose your thousand dollar or plus drone when you're, if you, when you're just you, you're just having fun with it you have no intention for it and all of a sudden it's like you're just going like oh there there it goes because there's an eagle destroying it
3: just gone well that was the thing so i'm i'm every time i drive by it i'm like okay where can i get a decent picture of this thing at because i mean you can tell it's an eagle's nest it's huge and then you see this little bald this little white bald eagle sitting in it the entire time and then in the mornings the dad is in a tree right behind it like just scouting for food so it's just I don't know. It's crazy. I'm a, I'm a bald eagle nut. I'm a birds of prey are like my most fascinating creatures in the world to me. And it was just, you don't see many bald eagles in South Dakota. You really don't. And this year I've seen like almost a dozen.
2: Yeah. They're, they're starting to move away from like, cause they, I've seen a lot around Mississippi just because it's like, it's just we always have open water, but you go up and down the Iowa, Wisconsin border into Illinois. They're all, all around. So they're absolutely gorgeous. If you happen to make it out here for the shoot, uh, if you can make it out here on a Friday, which is even better. Cause then this way, then you can have the night to relax. Instead of having to do all that driving on Saturday morning. Cause I mean, it's a five and a half an hour drive but I 90 is fucking boring. I don't care who you are. It is so boring. I've driven it so many times. I, I it's like, I am just like over it, but uh, you, I can show you some of the things that I get to take, that I get the privilege of seeing all these bald eagles and how they interact and how all the baiting, all the dust you see and such, especially like right now we're seeing this transition of feathers flying off and such, and the birds are coming up and going northbound because it's starting to get warmer here, so they're they're going to keep going north and such as the as the season progresses. It's just really pretty. It's some that I I appreciate because growing up in central Iowa, north central Iowa. I didn't we didn't really have a whole lot of bald eagles. And if we saw one, it was fantastic. And then when I move here, I see them all over the place. I'm still in awe. We actually have pull-offs. So this way you can actually pull off not unnecessarily a 90, but you can there's several spots where you can pull off the highway or pull into rest areas and you can watch them.
3: See, and that's crazy because like I remember back like 10 years ago seeing a bald eagle in South Dakota was like, Oh, bald eagle, take your pictures out, blah blah blah. Now I they follow the snow geese up every spring. So every spring you can count on seeing a handful of them. But this year I seen them like I seen one in December in a ditch by Vermilion. It was just chilling in the ditch eating a rabbit. I'm like, "What the heck?" I saw another one making a nest in the middle of Davis and then this one I'm just like, "This would be the coolest thing in the world. Get bald eagles in here year round. Heck yeah, let's go." Cuz you know as soon as they as soon as they start making a nest, other ones or them will come back and use that nest every time. So it's like we're gonna have bold eagles here forever mm-hmm.
2: oh yeah that's the best part because once they once they feel like the, the once a couple of pairs feel like it's safe then you'll start seeing them move in and move in and it just becomes really cool especially if you're if you're lock locking dam where, where the water never actually fully freezes over that's where you see the most activity because you'll just see them perched up waiting for something to jump up and a lot of times it can be per- uh uh uh, carp or something like that or pike when they when they're going low body and stuff like that but uh it's not uncommon to actually have um fishermen be, be develop relationships with them because it's not uncommon to see them on tiktok or on it, the reels where you're seeing people call for them and toss them perch or bluegills or whatever they have to to feed them it's it's always unique in how receptive they are and it's like i think that's the only animal I actually condone feeding it's like the only one i don't condone do feed a couple of them that I don't condone feeding is one is raccoons uh bears and alligators and crocodiles because it's like once they get comfortable with humans you never get rid of them that's the sad part that's
3: exactly what it is they're just they're they're invasive they're, they're gonna be there forever they're gonna start coming bears as soon as they find a good trash can they will be there every night that's why they have to be located so many miles away so and they're they're dangerous it'd be one thing if it was like a, a like a raccoon granted they are semi-dangerous but it's like a foot long, you can just punt that thing, a bear. If they, if they want in your house, they're going to break down the front door. Oh
2: yeah. It's, it's definitely quite scary. Knock on what I've, the, the bear have been pretty like the ones around here in Wisconsin, they don't tend to, to walk up to houses and stuff They they've kind of got that respect, but it's, it's not uncommon to hear about them walking around and not all bears hibernate year round too. I mean, there was, got pictures of one up way up North that was walking around in the middle of, of January where
3: the high was zero. I've heard that. I actually heard that too, that bears, all bears try to hibernate, but some of them either don't get enough fat. So they wake up halfway through, or they just are they They don't sleep for whatever reason. They sleep for a couple of days and then wake up. And, and it was just crazy. I was listening to that on a meteor podcast, I think where they're like, they'll do these researches and these bears will literally for the first two years they're alive, they will not stop to hibernate. They just go, 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 go. So it was just crazy to, to see that.
2: Did you hear about the, this? Was I think this was probably either in the in the in the below 100 or between 100 and 200 on the the meter podcast that we have a super sow over close by Madison area where it, where it's continu- constantly always producing four cubs every couple of years because it's like all of the the the, the the factors are right what it needs to be to be able to produce that many that consistently. So she's kind of like the queen bee around. So it's, that there's a lot of people watching out to make sure there's no adolescent boar trying to make its mark going after its cubs and stuff like that. Cause they're, they're carnivores. So it's like, it's,
3: it's quite uh it's quite sad, but it just how they are. So it's just nature for you. Well, and that's actually, so, a lot of species actually do that because they, they say it's because it'll bring the females back into heat. When you have these species that have long gestation periods and long dependency periods like bears, bears are with their moms on the teat for like the first two years. So when you have these long, prolonging uh, cubs, they think that if they kill the cubs, then the female will go back into heat. But they were doing studies with bears, at least, that it doesn't actually work. Like, the female's hormones are so specifically set up that she doesn't actually start going back into heat till the cubs are already, like, ready to be out of the house.
0: Hmm. So interesting. So, it's like,
3: they're, they're trying to figure out why the actual reason the bears do it, because they, like, like, with lions, that is the reason. When they kill the, the cubs, then their cycle sets back over and they can get pregnant again. And so, when a new lion comes in and takes over a pride, he kills all the cubs or banish them so that he can start mating the females again. And bears, they're like, yeah, that, that's not what happens with female bears. So we don't know why the male bear kills the cubs. He just does, and and we don't understand why. So I thought that was interesting too.
2: That is interesting because I can understand like with, with with lions, I don't understand that psychology of it all because they'll kill them off because they don't want to be raising another um, uh, lion's Cubs and such like that. So you, they want to start off all all fresh, kind of like what happens when uh, a divorced mom or a single mom has already has a kid, and she, the the new stepdad comes in and has one to three kids, kind of separate her from the from the offspring. So this way, it's, she's more focused on theirs. It's not done intentionally, but that's just biologically how it all is. I mean, I'm I'm a product of a divorce family, so I know what happens when the stepdad comes in, has kids of their own, and then it's just like the other the other previous relationship kind of get get pushed back on the burner in a sense. And it just, it just kind of becomes complicated because now it's like the mom is now focused on the youngest ones and hopefully the older two will become do whatever they need to. And it usually comes into a lot of independence
3: when you have that separation at a young age and such. Well, and that's what, that's what this documentary said too. They're like, if they're like above two years old, then they kind of gun it and just kind of do their own thing. Um, And the females have it really easy because they just, can get hooked up with another pride or they'll find a stray uh, male that maybe a younger one and they'll meet up to team up and then they'll start their own pride. And then other rejects will kind of come and join them. Um, but the males, they said, honestly, males got to book it twice as hard because they're being hunted for territory purposes too. And they either got to, you know, they got to get big fast or they got to figure out good ways to hide so that they can kind of get prepared for fighting season. But they said the, there's there's a lot of lion deaths, but the majority of them are older lions fighting, you know, mature lions. So it's not a lot of um, like adolescent males getting killed, which is why they can keep reproducing. But they said there's a lot of violence because you'll have a male come in and they actually go in pairs. Did you know that there's like like there can be like, multiple different male lions in a pride. So like they were saying on this thing that um, most of the time, like brothers will grow up to run the pride. And so they'll like oh. the lion king, they'll okay. work with dad. And then when dad gets too old, they'll allow him to stay and the brothers will step up and take it. So these, these dads that are having two, three, four kids that are males, are actually turning out to run the to pack. And then obviously it comes to genetics. So the, the two or three brothers that are the strongest will lead and it'll kind of flow down from there. But they said like family packs actually stick together a lot. So you'll have multi-generational lions in one family because there's just that respect of, you know, now you understand that your son is the, the boss and you just get to hang back and eat. You know, and there's that mutual respect. So the killing comes from when there's like a big male lion with young cubs, and two brothers come roaming in, and they're like, ah, easy pickings, two on one. And so that's how they'll kill these older lions because they have more people. Um, or the male lion will just get smart and it'll just ditch and just like deuces see you later. But they, they're, these male lions are hunting in packs. Like I did not know, I thought there was one male lion per pride, but they're like, no, there can be up to like three if they're on good standings with each other. And I'm like, what? Like, that's insane. Yeah, it is. I I, I learned something new every day. Yeah. Animals on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. It's-
2: I'm going to have to check that out now because that sounds like an interesting story. I always like checking out those new new evolutions. I like watching the the one that go underwater and such. And uh, it's always interesting to see what they come across. And like, especially when they go into the deep cryptoid stuff, when they see these monstrous uh, um, squids and, and such. And I don't know if you saw this, but Discovery did a uh, they were tracking down a. Well, maybe it was the marine biologists out there in San Diego. And that's where like a lot of um grit whites will tend to uh mon- just kind of hang out there for during the breeding cycle and whatever else to do. Well, there was the, the, there the it was a 10 or 12 foot female shark that was swimming around their normal 50, 60 feet, and all of a sudden something came in and like the temperature w- w- wage on the GPS was like 40 degrees you know, like typical average um average uh temperature well all of a sudden something bigger than that ate it and the reason why they know is that that uh tracker actually the bot they, you know how they could tell was in the belly it went it was it jumped all the way up to like 70 degrees but the, what would make this different from most great whites is it went down several hundred feet and there's there's thoughts to be there's actually megalodon still out there there's also a blue whale out there that's missing a 20 meter section of of uh like the you know how that that hump comes down then they had the, the the uh the tail right above that missing just clear chunk out of it And they've caught it on camera and stuff like that and they don't know what took a bite out of it so like there's something down there that they don't want to
3: tell us about I'm never going in the ocean again. Well, it's just like aliens do. I'm I we can't go down this rabbit hole right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we can, we can
2: always go down that rabbit hole on, on my After Dark podcast. And so this way we had that that freedom to go what we want, go where we want to go with it and so like, but you know, I I've, I've heard different theories about alien things, aliens because it's like if there truly was an alien race out there, why aren't they stopping by and picking us up kind of like guardians of the galaxy. If they're supposed to be this whole ecosystem, it's like, why aren't we having these interactions and stuff like that? Are we just a matrix? Are we a ant farm
3: for somebody's amusement? It, the theories are wild. It's 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 really crazy. And, and honestly, it's, it's, you can see it from both perspectives. You can see like why this makes sense and why this makes sense and why this makes sense and all this stuff. And, and I, I'm just, it's it's a rabbit hole that is meant for your after hours podcast that we'll have
2: to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Well, Ben, this has been an awesome conversation. We were we're at a little over two hours, man. We we've com- we've covered a lot of fun topics, and everybody listen to us. Like check out the bow hitch, bow spider. Um, what is it? It's the accurate art or yeah, accurate archery yardage marker tape that we demonstrated earlier. Um, aot
3: technology. Yes.
2: So there's a lot of shout outs here for everybody. And the cool thing is that you, those who follow us, we're always posting or tagging these manufacturers
3: with us because they make phenomenal products. And yeah, that's, that's the thing customer service and a good product. That isn't just some flashy thing that uh, the definition of a good product for everybody that's wondering Levi Morgan at the ATA show this year, just dropped his new one piece arrow. That comes with the broadhead screwed in. Check it out. It made uh, Bow Hunter Die's YouTube channel like top three best products, but it's literally a system that you can buy the entire arrow together with field tip and broadhead already included, all built together, ready to shoot. And there are these new special swackers that screw into the ferrule that have their own outsert system with it. So that is my, it, it's all in one package, right? That's the perfect product that's what i'm talking about when i say the bow hitch the bow spider um eight a- aot um those are the products that that means it's a good product not just oh yeah this will look really cool on your bow and it'll turn colors and look no it's a, it has a purpose it serves a purpose that is that is the product
2: 100 percent. well thank you ben for this conversation always a pleasure man